Welcome everyone to the Reflection Artist Live podcast hosted by myself, Justin Lobato. Set your calendars to tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time where I will be bringing you industry spotlight interviews live from my active detail shop or an industry event. So if you're curious about who is who and what is what in the detail industry, don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for some of the most exclusive interviews. Okay. So we are officially live. This is Reflection Artist Live podcast, episode number 44, uh, and it is September 8th, and we have special guests with us today, Andrew Werkheiser, who is the current CEO of Kosh Kemi USA. Uh, if you haven't heard of Kosh Kemi, well, today you will, and it's a brand that has been brought to the U.S., and Andrew was on the forefront of that, uh, and he has quite the background he you know, has with his family they have 25 years established in the body shop industry. So he comes from a background of working from the sub straight up to say, and then of course, jumping into the detail world, which from some of you may know him from his former position with G Technic as CEO there. And then of course he transitioned over to Kosh Kemi. So we want to hear his story, how he got involved in his love for the detail industry, especially uh, growing out from the body shop side of it. And of course, what he has brought to the table for us as detailers in, in the detail industry as a whole. So, Andrew, thank you for taking the time out to be on the podcast. And we definitely appreciate, of course, everything that you've been able to do for us within the, the different brands you've represented it for sure. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, <clears throat> thanks for having having me on today. It's uh, I know we've we've been working with, with, with Glenn on making it happen, so I'm excited to be here and and uh and appreciate it yeah definitely now on before we get started i do have a, a volume where you're either you need to speak louder or raise the volume up one of the two i'm not sure um how that how that works on your end with your audio setting but either or so once you adjust that dive into telling me you know how how it all got started i mean even back from your younger years in the in the body shop helping out and getting into all that how that inspired you yeah yeah is that is that better uh better volume there i like that that's cool good. all right so uh yeah we uh my, my family you know in the dna is is automotive um that's just been my entire life so in the in the beginning there uh growing up it was i'd say at least you know the first few years of my life it was pretty much no uh no knowledge of what was going on in my, you know, my parents' life, you know, of course, as most of us, but, you know, as I started to get a little bit older there and, and, uh, you know, around 95 or so is, is when my, my father and actually now my father-in-law, uh, started my dad's company, which was, uh, was called single source. And so that is basically a long story short <clears throat> for those that don't know in the, in the body, you know, the pain body industry, there's, there's multi-level it's, it's, uh, it's, pretty advanced, been around a long time, you know, so it's a little bit different than what a lot of us are used to in the detail world, but we have different levels like uh, WD, so warehouse distribution down to a distributor, you know, of course, the manufacturer, and then of course the, the end user. So we'll have multi-channels, you know, going through uh, the selling process to where a manufacturer would sell to a WD who would then sell to the guy that would be what I would consider a Home Depot for a body shop, which is what we were. Um, so they started out in 95 with bringing a brand over, uh, which some may be familiar with. It's still on the labels. It's called uh, Nexa 2K uh, ICI, uh, where the kind of the two, two names that it went by. They found the brand. My, my dad and, and everyone that he started the company with actually were, were working for a company uh, uh, called Axo Nobel, which is still around today and, and still a, a good solid paint line. But they were unhappy and, and started looking elsewhere. And that's when this company jumped on and, and you know, saw an opportunity with them and uh, started to support them and help them grow in the U.S. market. And what a lot of brands started to realize, especially U.S. based, was which we know, I know specifically, European brands uh, like to, to kick the butt of U.S. brands sometimes. And uh it, for them, they saw the difference, the quality, the pricing, everything was, was a match. And uh, so they started running with that brand. 
PPG then realized, hey, we've we've got we've got a problem here. Yeah, we've got these uh, these 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 young boys uh, coming in and taking our our, our business and our territory and um, you know really doing a good job. So they ended up buying ICI Nexo, which is which is still they have a, a line still Nexo two K um, with ICI Auto Color still listed on it uh, as as a part of that brand. So they've got you know just like detailing, we'll have a consumer and prosumer and professional similar, not, not in the sense of a consumer, but similar to, you know, entry level, commercial, mid, high, and super high, you know, the, the kind of fits chip, the budget scenario. Yeah. The chip foozes of the world and the flake, you know, just, <laughs> it gets all crazy. Right. Yeah. So, um, it still is one of their lines and it's, it's, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty premium line along with global that they carry. So, uh, you know, very good paint, not, you know, the water, water-based waterborne that a lot are switching to now, of course. Um, but anyway, so PPG came in. PPG originally back then was a setup like Sherwin Williams is today. So very, uh, we do it ourselves. We've got our own stores. We sell everything on our own, um, which you can kind of see. They, I know, gosh, what was it? Three, four years ago, they really started a push again for PPG on the home and residential side. Uh, those stores, they tried to get those. I don't know. I haven't really seen much since then, but um the automotive side since back in the day uh, really shifted to needing distribution. Um, and in the beginning, what had happened was they, they, they had told uh, the group of guys over there at single source, Hey, we don't need you. We don't want you to be a part of this. You know, you need to close all these stores. We'll let you, we'll let you keep a few of them, but we already have people in these areas, uh, which as a business owner and a developing young business, you can imagine losing, half your revenue virtually overnight is uh, quite a, quite a terrifying yeah. thing. Um, well, the good news is only a few months in realistically, and especially within that first year, they realized it was a big mistake um, and did everything they possibly could to get them back into every one of those stores that they had made them sell uh, as well as help them open multiple more. So they, they went from about, it was about 15, 20 stores, uh, maybe 25. They bumped them down to about 10, 15, and then when they got them back into it, they, they got them settled around 30. And this is all while, you know, I was young and, and growing up and being surrounded by it. And of course, as every kid, I, I loved what my dad did, you know, not understanding the intricacies of it and the, for lack of a better term, the, the boringness of it, I guess, in a sense. Uh, you know, I would always get frustrated with him. So I'm like, why won't you go to my career days and talk about what he's like, I sell paint. Like, who gives crap about paint? Uh, so I never understood, but I loved it. So I, I would go anytime I could. And actually, it was really funny. My now wife used to also try to go to the warehouse and 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 ride around on the ladder and you know stuff like that locally. And uh, of course, never really crossing paths at the time. Um, but you know, I, from a young age, mixing paint to make cool colors and you know just having fun with it and and just trying to be as involved as you know, a lot of kids like to be involved with their dad, right? I hope my son's like that. Um, yeah. What we, what, what the difference being, I, <laughs> I think what we do is fun. So my, my dad was kind of like, nah, it's, it's pretty boring. It's business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a little bit different, but um, yeah, you know, I, I, I grew up around it. I always wanted to be a part of it. I don't, I don't think I ever really, uh, of course, now that I've got, you know, uh, finances and we're, we're building a house and all that, of course, now I've, I uh, would have thought differently, but back then I never really thought about, you know, taking it over or anything like that. I just, I just wanted to be a part of it. Um, and I'll never forget towards, towards the end there, we, uh, it was one of their sales parties. They had, they had just uh, surpassed 215 million and it was a huge moment there. They were at 75 stores and um, it was a big celebration. I remember sitting there on a balcony uh, looking at the company and asking my dad, did you, did you ever in a million years think that you would be here right now with this place rented out in city walk, Orlando, uh, celebrating that figure or even celebrating at all. Um, and he, he's like, absolutely not. He'll tell, he'll tell stories. I, we, we laugh all the time. Cause I, I always try to get information out of them. Cause it, it only helps, right. It only yeah. helps learn when you, when, you know, and grow, when you hear what people went through and, you know, they've got stories about, uh, back in the day, they, the only thing they would spend money on was cigars for their cigar room. They had a cigar room back in the day. One of the offices was dedicated 
and uh, they wouldn't spend it on anything else so much so that they had a corded phone um, and that corded phone was duct taped to a broomstick and kept out in the hallway. And so whenever someone got a call, they would pretend like basically they had a secretary. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> oh, hold on one second. They put the phone on hold and move it into whoever's office took the phone call. And, you know, so went through everything from that to just sitting on pallets, waiting for orders and, you know, just, and built that thing. So it was, uh, it was cool to, to be a part of that and more than anything to, um, gain mentors. Of course, I have the best built-in mentor in the world, you know, and my father and, um, and my father-in-law, you know, he retired in 2001, but just an incredible business-minded asset for, for such, you know, the nice thing is they're so differentiated between kind of the paths that they took later on. And to get all of that uh, is huge. And I think what, what a lot of So people, they work together? Oh, yeah, yeah. So they, so you know, uh, I won't, I won't say it exactly how he said it, but back, back in the day, they used to meet at my in-laws house in Roswell. They used to live in a place in Roswell, Georgia. Uh, and they used to meet there plotting the start of this company while they were still working at the other, at the other company. And, um, my father-in-law was the one, he, he's a very numbers oriented guy, loves running numbers and figuring out if it's worth it and not, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he was actually the one. And I won't, I said, I won't say it how he said it, but he, he, he said, uh, well, hell, it's a 50, 50 shot. Let's roll the dice. <laughs> That's, that is how the company officially started. Um, and they started jumping ship and, and making it happen, but yes, they, risk, risk and reward, right? They worked. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They worked together since, uh, 95, so it was 95, 2001, when my father-in-law retired. And then he got into a bunch of other really great, uh, passive income style, um, businesses and, and just really enjoys life. And, uh, you know, and, and now of course my dad's retired and, well, retired um out of that but uh you know yeah so that's it's interesting uh you know how that all works out but so i i had been a part of it i worked in uh a few of our you know larger body shops that we serviced uh throughout my summers in high school and, and college started getting involved in kind of the warehouse side of it for the business um to 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 get to know it and get to learn it a little bit and what was what was cool was we were you know we were we had 600 employees and but even though that was going on and, and that was the setup we it was a very close-knit family style group and so i was able to be given another you know mentor who basically was over my career path so at that point you know when i actually started getting a little more serious in the warehouse side and, and getting serious about maybe wanting to work in the business um, I, I kind of gained that, that mentor who then started, basically took over as if, you know, he was in charge of the company and in charge of me and, you know, my growth and, and, and everything like that. So while that was kind of developing, I, I, I was down in, at, in college at Mercer University in, in Macon, Georgia, central Georgia. Um, and the, uh, the good old, the good old Lord, if you will, started, uh, playing in my life a little bit and, in, in, in a bunch of ways, um, and, you know, one of those big ways was I, I, I found a love for medicine and, and emergency medicine and, and the fire uh, side of things. And, you know, while I was in school, uh, became involved with, with uh, the emergency management agency down there. I, I begged and clawed and, and got my way into the uh, local North End 911 ambulance company. So did that for, for you know, the remainder of, of while I was in school and, um, you know, all the while. You see yeah. it a lot with that. Oh, when when I started was uh, the year before they got rid of the Bloods and Crips. Finally, ah. so it was uh, lines divided one one side of the town, one color, one side the other. Just a just a, a very interesting place. But the school, the city, the, I mean, a lot. They did a really good job of of cleaning things up, making it safe. And uh, of course, my my wife saw some of the uglier sides of it, so she never moved back. But I don't know. It's always got a piece of my heart down there. It's a, it's a special place. And, and yeah, when you see the corners uh, that no one else sees, it, it, it opens your perspective to, to life and, and to what we have and, um, and the opportunities that we're given. It, it, it definitely makes you reevaluate things for sure. And appreciate. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, so it was, it was interesting because while I was going through all that, so my, my freshman year, and then about a year later, my sophomore summer, uh, I had I had a heart attack both both oh, times. Shit. 
and it was viral related. Um, so it gets, you know, it's all crazy right now with, with, with COVID and everything. It's all a, a big question mark for me because viruses are, are not good for me. So, um, wow. and I, you know, got out of it, survived it twice. The second one was actually on a study abroad in Australia. Um, so my first, I, I put it this way, I spent six weeks in Australia working for a university. The first week I was in the hospital and it's still 10 out of 10 recommend go to Australia. <laughs> That's how great that country was. So I loved it there. It was, it was a blast. But again, it's uh, it's one of those parts of my life that that readjusted, reevaluated, and um, really makes you think about who you are and what you want to be, and um, you know how you want to live the rest of your life. And for me, that segment and that portion of of my life, a lot of people think that that's why I got into EMS and fire, but that love had kind of already cultivated from my high school summers of being involved with summer camp and being around volunteer firefighters. And um, so it already kind of cultivated, but it, it certainly pushed me over the edge to get, uh, uh, you know, my mid-level licensing and um, to get involved in anything I could on the, the emergency side. So when I graduated school, uh, I, I decided that I wanted to give my, my, my true love a, a try. And, and I stayed an extra semester trying to get through uh, basically nursing school. I was thinking about nurse practitioner tract or flight, flight nurse or something like that. Um, of course, good thing it didn't happen because my wife won't let me on a helicopter now. So uh, <laughs> that, and, and, and it, it whooped my butt, you know, and I don't get me wrong. I always respected nurses when I would bring patients in, you know, off 911, but it is a whole nother level when you see the education they go through because <laughs> biology and chemistry are not for me. <laughs> They're they absolutely not for me. I was in an argument with a professor about why I needed to know what it looked like in a microscope to do CPR. It just, you know, it just, it didn't work. It didn't click. I didn't get it. Whole new respect. Um, and so I tried, didn't work out, but part of the plan. Right. And uh, said, you know what, I got a business degree. I, I better put this thing to use. Um, and right as that was all happening, I was literally almost about to sign on the dotted line for FEMA um, because they had a, a really cool program. I think they still have it um, where basically you building caskets. No, <laughs> now, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they I'm just joking. Go, go that route. This is, this is on the web. Watch them yeah. shut down, red flag. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so they, uh, it was a, it was a program which you know. So you were on the front line of any disaster. So they would call you. You had 24 hours to get on a plane, um, and then there was no return date. Um, so you know, you could be there a month. You could be there six months. You have no idea. Uh, but it was what I wanted to do. It was on the front line. It was being there first, not just going there as an ambulance and transporting from one hospital to another. It was truly, you know, helping and helping and helping. Um, the, uh, the, the, the heart wanted it. Um, but then I, my wife finally gave in and, and went on a date with me. And, um, after all these years of trying and she, she, uh, she, the heart, the heart was stronger for her. So, um, I decided, you know what, let's hang it up. Let's, uh, let's, let's go into business and see what we can do there and, and use the degree. And, you know, at the end of the day, I realized a very important statistic, especially in Georgia, massive, unfortunately, massive shortage of EMS personnel in Georgia. Oh, wow. Always. And it's been for years, I mean, probably 10, 20 years. So I told myself, okay, if it doesn't work, you got a job waiting, <laughs> You've got it waiting. It's there. I mean, it was so bad to the point where even where I was working in Macon, I was offered to, they offered me to pay for full paramedic school to, uh, they'd have me on the road as a, as a medic for one to two years. And then they promised me a supervisor position with my own take-home Tahoe. And of course, as like a college kid, you're like, oh my God, take-home yeah. Tahoe, Dreams. like sirens, like, yeah, yeah I'm in. Uh, but it, there was a couple of things, you know, aside from, falling in love with my wife, uh, you start to realize there's, there's, uh, there's certain things that my personality type doesn't like about that world. And, you know, one of those being a, a cat, I don't like the idea of maxing out your potential and, and kind of living that. I, I don't like settling. Um, and so for me, that was also a reason why I chose business, uh, at least for a little while. And pretty much anyone that knows me knows my goal is to 
make as much money as I possibly can to be able to retire and get back on the truck until I'm the one that's on the stretcher. I mean, that's, that is my, my goal. Um, and, and, you know, not to be confused though, I love what I do. I love being involved in, in business. I love, especially this, this detail world that I've come to know over the last few years um, and how involved that is and, and intricate that is. Um, and I, I want a long, long, good career at, at Kashemi and um, hope that we, you know, grow leaps and bounds here. But it, it, it definitely at the end, my, my retirement plan is, uh, is getting back on the truck and, and keeping, keeping things going until I can't no longer. So, um, but uh, yeah, so all that being said, I, I moved back up to, to, to Roswell actually um, and uh, started working for single source and started at the warehouse uh, worked up to, you know, assistant manager and started running the store and then, uh, was given basically a, what we, we kind of referred to as like a fulfillment role. So anytime someone was on vacation or needed something else or needed to take a day or whatever, I would go in and help run those stores. Um, we were on a very, very, uh, we were very flexible in terms of what people were allowed to do and owning their own position. But we also had a very good, solid system and base and, and way of running things operationally. So um, for the most part, you could really step into any store. It wasn't anything special that I did being able to do that. It, you really were able to step in and keep things moving until things were sorted or, or whatever it may be. Um, so I did that for a little while and, and it was a great portion of experience and knowledge. Um, and I think, you know, something that I always tell people that I think it's taken for granted is to, 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 to live in the moment of everything that you get an opportunity to do because you never know what that will do for you later and you never know what that could turn into and, and, and play into. And I learned that at my ambulance company because thank God there was a, a really good owner there at the time. And it was a requirement. The minute you stepped in that business, you had to work with marketing, you had to work with HR and you had to work in the dispatch center. And so you got to experience, and there, there was no better way to experience why a dispatcher moves you at two o'clock in the morning from one post to another. And you're like, I'm literally going to murder this person when I get back to the station. I just want to sleep. And then vice versa, when the dispatcher's made to ride third rider on the ambulance to understand those reasons and to, to be able to experience someone else's position. So when I got to really get into that and experience other stores and other issues and other, honestly, even other languages for certain areas of our stores. And just to see the differences they had, you know, you had a store producing the same potential revenue as, as another store, yet they're selling a significant amount of units more per, per the store, because it's just a lower income, lower, uh, you know, spend on the overall repair of a vehicle in one area. You know, they're doing just as much volume, but selling twice as much paint, right? So, you know, one person selling the high line, one person selling the low line. So all of those lessons really came together for me and helped me to understand that there are so many aspects to a business and especially one that's national or, or you know, multi-location. There are so yeah. many aspects to, to really be able to dive in and understand why and how, you know, things are done. Fast um, food places do that all the time. You know, yeah. they accommodate yeah. the, the yeah. demographic or geographic area that they're in by switching items on the menu to accommodate to help drive revenue. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, and, and I still, to this day, encourage it. And, and you know, even here at Kashemi, we, we, we really try to get people involved in other people's shoes so that they can see the why behind it and not just think that someone's requesting something because they feel like it. Um and I'll carry it through, you know, anything that I do. Um, and like I said, hopefully we'll have many, many years here to, to grow this team and, and um, to, to get involved in, in anything, you know, that we can diversification wise. So, um, so yeah, I, I fell in love with the whole kind of traveling thing and helping other stores and, and there's definitely a side of uh, catching things, right? So there's excitement and, and realizing there's, you know, money found or, or missing things that need to be addressed or, you know, so that really kind of, I took a liking to, to digging in and cleaning things up while I maybe was out in the field. Um, and so that 
then rolled into a new program that we started on the corporate level, which uh, was a regional manager uh, style position. Um, so we started kind of breaking out our, our areas into, you know, a handful of stores per. Um, and I was offered the opportunity to take one of those over for the Southeast. And I split it with another guy uh, named Josh, who again, phenomenal person and, and, and just been in the business a while. And I learned a ton from, and so we would each manage our stores in this Southeastern region. And then also, uh, help each other out when we would go do audits and, and inventory counts and things like that. Um, and again, I just, I love the position. I loved being able to look at a store and look at the numbers and realize what was right, what was wrong. Uh, you know, being able to implement new things saying, Hey, my store over here is doing this. Why don't we try this here and seeing the impact and effect of that. Um, being able to balance against, you know, all sorts of metrics between population and, you know, average spend and average income to, to figure out how many people we needed, how many trucks we needed. Um, it, it really became fun. Uh, I, I really started to kind of dive in and enjoy it. Uh, you were able to execute those things because that company had such a strong standard operating procedure exactly. and foundation of that operating procedure that everybody played by that book, that it allowed you to make those changes in each yep. store, each region based on what was needed. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and even from the top, you know, that allowed flexibility to, to be creative and try something for a minute to see if it worked, you know, that's, Very cool. that's also huge. Uh, I think that a lot of organizations miss out on when, you know, you've got all these talented people. It's, it's a saying of mine, you know, I don't want, I don't want anyone working for me that isn't better than me. They have to be better than me in something. Um, and I will tell you all day long that every single person that works for us is better than me at multiple things. And, you need to have that mindset. I think why, why, why would I want someone who's not as good as me or, or, or almost the, the same as me or the same as me in every aspect of our business? That doesn't Talk do much stress, right? Yeah. That doesn't All do the it. weight on your shoulders. Yeah. It doesn't create anything that doesn't, there's no, there's no flexibility there. There's no creativity that it, it, it's, it's not how I think a business can thrive. Right. So I'll, I'm always the first to admit Hey, we build our positions to, to keep the company going tomorrow, no matter what. And we always try to find people who are better than us at something because that's how we grow. That's how we become better. And that's how we take advice. We learn from our people. Right. So um, it, it was uh, it was a very fulfilling experience to start to see that and live it. And, um, you know, so so through that, then kind of stepped up to an area position, a little bit more you know, coverage, and a little more responsibility. And then. The, uh, the, the, the life altering, I guess, career altering move ended up being a, a national division that the president at the time tasked me with and originally started as uh, Avery Dennison. Um, we were, we were kind of starting a partnership with them to potentially look into the possibilities of a film or some sort of replacement for, for repair work. Um, not necessarily an easy thing for sure to, to make work versus paint. Yeah. Um, but you know, we, we were still interested in the app, the, the, the add-ons and the accessories that we could potentially push. And, you know, for us at the time, we were on a massive major track for diversifying. So I was running that division. We had another person running paint, uh, paint booth repair division and maintenance division. We had a paint booth installation division we bought, um, you know, parts, we bought a parts location that had four locations uh, wow. that, that sold bumpers, mirrors, everything, you know, we, we paint and the margin still to this day is eroding and you have to diversify and find ways to keep making money and to keep supporting your staff and people. And at the end of the day, if you do it right, you'll make more money, right? I mean, that's, that's the goal um, than you were making. So in that, I was tasked with, with a division that I ended up naming alternative coatings. Um, and so we were really kind of messing with Avery Dennison and messing with what that could be and turn into for us and um, ended up going to a show. And I will always give him credit. Uh, we went to uh, Road Atlanta in, in Browselton, Georgia. And I'll always give um, Chris credit with, with, with zero defects detailing. Uh, he was the one that walked up. I saw... He had just parked his van and on the side and keep in mind, I mean, this is how out of it that I was and, and how uninvolved I was. 
I saw a van that said Southeast Mobile Detail at the time. That was his name, Chris Kessler. Uh, and I said, Mobile Detail. And I looked, I saw the van and I was like, man, that is a really good idea. That's, that's really cool. And we had a 40 foot trailer, a truck, two cars that were trailered in open and a uh, delivery vehicle, a bread truck, UPS truck. Um, and they looked like hell because it was raining and it was all muddy back there. And so I was like, hey, man, would you like, could I, could we like pay you to wash this stuff off and make it? He's like, that's what I do. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so great. I'm like, we need all your information. Like, this is so cool. Like, I wonder if we could stock some of this. And, you know, I started kind of getting into it and realizing there was a, a good potential there. And then uh, he ruined everything because he walked in <laughs> with uh, initially a ceramic pro brochure. And that is, uh, that is how it all started for me with the ceramic and detail side of the world. Um, and of course, you know, there's, uh, we won't get into it, but all sorts of claims and things that get you excited, right? And, and so you start looking into it. So we started, you know, working on some things with them and, and looking at what we could do potentially with, with our market and, and, you know, our body shops. Again, it was about diversifying. What can we do to add revenue to our guys and in turn add revenue to us? Um, and still to this day, I carry that mindset forward because if, if I can get any one of our guys, and then we're working on getting our network started and built, if I can get any one shop in our network to add, I, I don't care what it is, PPF, window film, glass repair, anything else, chip repair, I can get them to add that and they don't necessarily need maybe an additional person or maybe they do but they can add that additional revenue to their business. There's only one thing that's going to happen. They're going to grow. And if they grow, then maybe they are able to get that next shop and that next bay and that next employee to help correct. And at the end of the day, we all grow together. So if you can help your people grow period, not just grow in polishing and compounding and, you know, detail, if you can help them grow period, I think there's, there's, there's room for everyone involved to grow. Um, and I kind of saw that there and was taught that there. And so long story short, I started to look kind of at the overall process of, of a company, you know, like CP versus others that were out there. And someone we were working with was kind of messing with G-Technic. And um, I started to see the potential advantages of, of working with something that A, wasn't as much involved on the time side of things. Um, and I uh, could potentially, you know, potentially work over, uh, fresh paint. So that's where kind of those G-Technic conversations started rolling. And all while that was happening, we were, and I knew this, but I, you know, it, it had been, it had happened multiple times before. So all while that was happening, we were in a pretty serious negotiation to sell the business. Um, and it got to the point where everything was frozen. So we, you know, no more acquiring of lines, no more assets being purchased, sold nothing. So it was all frozen, um, which told me it was, it was pretty, pretty serious. Pretty, pretty about serious. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I had made the decision early on to say, you know what, this is, while it will no longer be my father's, uh, this is an opportunity to, to be a part of something that he created and, to help grow it and, and to maybe still be a part of it. And maybe one day, um, you know, be in the upper ranks of the new organization. And so it, that time came and, and it officially sold and, and it was sold to a, a company called national coatings and supply NCS. Um, gentleman that owns that is named Temple Sloan billionaire, perfect name for a billionaire. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, uh, just a, an incredible, uh, business mind. He eventually originally had, started and, and sold uh, CarQuest. And so he's got, he had that, he had NCS, he had uh, American Welding. I mean, just a, just a conglomerate of, you know, beautifully crafted and, and strong companies. Um, Serial entrepreneur. Yeah, big time. And, um, you know, so it, 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 it was cool to kind of be a little bit involved in that side and learn a little bit about him and the things that he did and decisions he made. Um, and as that all developed, you could tell, though, and he, he wasn't super involved. I mean, he, he's involved in his business, of course, but it really is, you know, up to his people, which is how it should be. And, and they, you know, things were real corporate. I mean, it, it started to, to really get to that non-family uh, feel. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that kind of comes down to your setup, I think. So, you know, we had 600 employees doing 
200 and almost 50 million a year. Um, they were only a few more million than us, but they had 1800 employees. So oh, three wow. times the employees for, you know, not a significant bump in revenue. It, it becomes a process and, and, you know, Hey, the light bulb's out. I got to email the department that the light bulb's out. I got to get quotes on two light bulbs and then email another department to make sure the quotes are okay. And then I can order it, and then I have to pay for an installer. I can't do it myself. So it just like, it was, <laughs> it changed completely from what it was. Yeah. And, the, the day that I decided it was enough uh, was someone had come up to me and, and said, Hey, what's going on with, you know, X, Y, Z at corporate. And it was the first time in my life I had said, I don't know. And that was when it hit me that I, you know, I said, you know what, I don't want to be, a, I want to be a part of something that I know the answers to. And, and that, you know, not sure it doesn't have to be a small business, but I want, uh, you know, back, back when I started, our delivery drivers, our hotshot drivers knew what the plan was for the year um, and, and were, in, were requested and, and, and pushed to strive for it because uh, we, we truly saw it as a team and every, every puzzle piece, uh, you know, fit. Um, so as that happened, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to start looking elsewhere. And, and I, by that time, I had fallen in love with Avery Dennison and their setup and their film. And I mean, just every, I, I just fantastic business great people. Um, and they had a Southeastern position open. Um, and of course I was young and just into the industry. So it, it, I try, I pulled out all the stops. I was trying everything I possibly could to, to, to attract attention to myself. And, um, it, uh, it didn't go anywhere. And I will say to this day, they still have not filled that Southeastern position. Yeah. So it wasn't me. <laughs> That's why they didn't fill it because it wasn't you. <laughs> uh, so I fell in love with that. I was, somehow involved with 3M. Uh, they have a whole traffic division apparently where they do all the tolls and stuff like that. So I was, you know, interviewing for a position for that. And I got all the way to the final interview and, uh, and this just goes to show, you know, if you're, if you're dedicated, what can happen? I got to the final interview and they said, Hey, so, um, we realized it was the president of the division. We realized that you literally have zero experience that's required for this position. And I said, I have said that every interview that I've had with you and you keep pushing me through. So I want the position. I will learn anything that you have that you need me to learn, but no, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know how to do any of that because I don't right now. And so didn't get that. Uh, but it's funny how you just, if you find the right people to talk to, you can kind of keep pushing through. Um, but it's all for a reason. I believe, I, I think it's, yeah. a plan. I think it's, it's meant to be the way that it's meant to be. And that all lined me up for my opportunity with G-Technic and, um, you know, a company that had struggled uh, the first go around, had fought to get the rights back, you know, owned by the, the Brits um, to kind of dabbling, trying to get it back again under their control to, you know, me basically one day picking up the phone and, and asking, uh, do you need something? Because we had, we kind of had a good rapport because we were looking at them for, for single source. And I said, hey, I'm leaving. Um, do you need something? And, and that's kind of how it all turned out to, to, to put me in that spot. And, you know, we grew it thousands of percent and it was, uh, it was a really good and, and really beautiful time for me to, to take advantage of learning um, so many corners of, you know, cause I, I knew business, I knew distribution, nowhere near what I know today and nowhere near what I will know in five, 10 years from now and 20 years from now. But it taught me a ton in a very fast amount of time. And, you know, things that I look at, no matter what happened throughout the it's something that maybe didn't make a bunch of sense uh, to me then and took a long time to get through. And now I know the quick, you know, the quick solution, the quick fix or the quick person to call. Um, so, you know, every, every aspect of my life, no matter where I feel like I am on the totem pole of 100% happy to scared crapless, <laughs> um, you know, you, you kind of find your, your place and you, you just, I think you have to realize that you, you got to push through and more yeah. than anything, you got to ask questions and you got to try to be a part of things. Um, Cause no one's going to just call you and say, do you want to do this? I mean, sometimes that happens, but uh, versus someone who wants it, you know, and that's what I tell everyone we hire here, everyone we interview. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you some BS about how this is the greatest job offer you're ever going to get. And, um, 
you're going to be the most happiest you've ever been in the job here. And I, I'm not going to say that because at the end of the day, I want someone to want to be here. If you want to be here, it is going to be the best damn job you've had. But if you don't want to be here, I can't, I can't force that. I can't teach uh, that excitement. I can't, I can't teach dedication and, and uh, you know, things that, that make you live it and be a part of it. I, I, I can't do so you that. You got to grow and learn that on your own. It comes with maturity, yeah, right? Yeah. I'll do everything I can. And, and again, I still learn every day. I'm not, I do not consider myself the all knowing by any means. Um, but you know, passion, you can't teach it. And, and I say that every interview I say, look, we can teach you a lot of things. My guys can teach you a lot of things. We can't teach you passion. You got to have that already. And, and, uh, if you don't have it, then it ju it's just not going to work. Um, so I I'd love to be able to teach that. <laughs> I think there'd be a lot more, <laughs> there'd be a lot more, uh, opportunities and people in the world to choose from, but, um, I just, yeah, I, it, it's something you have to have. Um, and you know, so as, as kind of, I worked through that initial experience and diving into the, the detail world as a whole. Did you have to uh, really wrap your head around like the, the process too. I mean, obviously taking on the position that you did with leading the North America market for that brand and, yeah. and really diving into detail. And I'm sure that was a lot to take into on the, on the process side of what yeah. detailers see. Cause you, oh, you yeah. know, body shop industry, you're, you started from the substrate up. Basically now you jumped into an industry that, you know, takes off from where the body shop leaves off to refine yeah. and protect. So yeah. So of course there's, there's a lot of advantages in that yeah. knowing the bottom half but, uh, or bottom three fourths, whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole new world. I mean, there's no doubt. And, and it's a whole new respect and a whole new understanding. Um, different people too. Completely yeah. Different. I, I've said this a lot, you know, I think the big difference um, there's a lot of similarities and I think that's only going to continue to get closer and closer as, as time moves on. Um but, you know, it's a, it's a funky, um, it's a funky world because at the end of the day, I can right now myself, uh, or anyone can go to Walmart and buy a hose and a bucket and you're a detailer. I mean, truly yeah. one -time all easy startup. you're a detailer and then I can put it in the trunk and you're a mobile detailer. And then if you find the right spot, you could go get some training and become a ceramic coating professional installer. So the barrier to entry is significantly different than the body shop world. Oh yeah. Um, Closer know, to probably like lawn care. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say even probably, yeah, even easier. I mean, real, realistically speaking to just jump into it. Yeah. With no experience and people just kind of, if you got a better website than the next guy, you're probably going to get the job for a while. Yeah. Um, and how you present you know, yourself and communicate. Yeah. I mean, all those factors add up into, getting more work right yeah yeah to where you know the body shop world it's it's a facility it's a paint booth if you're doing it right it's uh you know which i mean we i come from the world where you know to get an account we would give them 100 150 thousand dollars for for a paint booth to to just win the business and you get your we get our rebates back from you know ppg and 3m and those guys later on um so it's it is a totally different world in that aspect the barrier to entry is almost in my opinion, non-existent. Um, the hard part's weeding through the good ones, which is for consumers and manufacturers alike, weeding through the good ones. Um, and yeah, I mean, learned a ton about how to get product here and, and, and how to you know, get involved in a network and build a network and restructure a network. Um, and you know, that kind of, it was uh, what, 19, Christmas 19, I guess, yeah. Um, to where I started, you know, the, the transition happened for, for me. And I, I kind of, I decided to take some time and, you know, I lost a lot of time with my wife, um, you know, traveling a lot, car shows on the weekend. I mean, really a lot of hard building. Little, you get the ground day. running with that. Yeah. You did a good job at it. Don't get me wrong. The network for that brand is way better position than it was prior to you being in charge. Yeah. And I seen that personally, you know, one being in the industry and being a part of it, but, you know, knowing also so many, let's say aspects of how all that evolved yeah. and transitioned and came about to be a better overall network. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and no matter what, it was, uh, it was a team effort. I mean, I'll never say it was, it was just me or just my yes. connections. I mean, they, 
that team is, uh, is, is, was, they're not all together still, but was, and is a good team. Um, and at the end of the day, more than anything, the easiest part of that job was the product was good. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, uh, they had background, right? They now I'm years. selling a, now I'm selling a much better product. <laughs> no, Great but, sales uh, pitch, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's a good, it's a good product. And, um, you know, they've, they've had a long time to build it. Right. And, um, yeah. So it, it, you know, yeah, I learned a ton and kind of got into a transition where I really caught up with family and it was all right when like Corona was happening. And so it just, things went crazy. I started, uh, and my son, I had a brand new, you know, baby at the time. So he was yep. born in uh, November. So, I mean, I will never, I feel bad for the next kid because I will never have that time at home, uh, between COVID and consulting only. And I'll never have that time at home again. I got to be a part of that life. And, we, you know, we had, we had lost our first, so we had a stillbirth and, um, that devastating, you know, reaction and, and trying to get through that was incredibly difficult for my wife and I. And, oh yeah, that's a very um, hard, hard, I've been yeah. there down that road and it's not, it's, not fun by any means for either yeah, party. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and one more reason, you know, the detail industry is interesting is, you know, I've met people because we've talked about it, that, you know, you, you get to kind of discuss that, that feeling and experience. And, um, yeah, never easy. And, but it, when we finally got that, that life, uh, you know, earthly boy of ours, um, it, it, it really was great to take that time with my family and, and to be with them. And so then I kind of started getting back into some consulting, did a little, you know, help with, uh, with Guion and, and did a little help with, uh, at the time private, but it was Kosh. Um, and, and then, you know, originally it was kind of like just helping them figure out, sorry about that. Originally it was just helping them figure out, um, you know, how do we get into the U S and, and what can we do to, to get the thing launched here? And then it kind of turned into me saying, you know, Hey, look, I really like you guys and, uh, and, uh, I'd love to work for you and kind of vice versa, the same thing. Hey, we, we feel like you, you, you haven't been totally BSing with us the whole time and, uh, you've got some good things to say. And, so that kind of developed and then an offer was made. And, and, uh, you know, I told them the same thing I told you earlier, my goal is to work, uh, and retire here many years from now, hopefully, and, you know, get back on an ambulance, maybe one day if I still got it in me, but, um, you know, my goal is to, to be dedicated and, and bleed the colors of the company and, um, do everything in my power, personally, business, professionally, whatever to, to make it happen. Um, and now where did they originate out of? Uh, so yeah, Kashemi's in, in Germany okay. um, and Una, Germany. We have a facility there, uh, you know, quite a few buildings. Everything we do is in-house. Every last product we make, other than pads, of course, you know, the, the phone and stuff. What are you trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're not you that good. You got something to say with, about pads? Talk we're to we're, me. we're not know. that good. <laughs> but I know a guy, right? Yeah, you, you do. <laughs> now they've been around since, when, when, when did their company start? Uh, so it's been a little over a couple, a few years, over 50 years. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. So family, family started, uh, you know, dissatisfaction, polishing and, 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 you know, items that were out there for wood and paint and other things like that. Um, and, you know, really turning into uh, an opportunity to, to, to try and make the best. And then, you know, now, uh, finally, thank God, I mean, cause gosh, I was consulting for him for six, seven, eight months, whatever. And then I've been working for him for eight, nine, 10 months after that, until I finally, because of COVID, was able to go meet them. Never met them in person until that point. Um, so they have a lot of trust in me. And of course, yeah, I had some trust in them. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. it's it's easier to trust when when a paycheck's coming, right? So it's, I, I, their side. Hi, this is real. This yeah. is real. <laughs> I think their side was was more difficult. And I'm honored and, and thankful that they were willing to put that trust in me. Um, yeah. I think their side was harder than my side to trust. Um, and trust, I think, is everything in business. Everything. Um, it's a great book about that by Covey, uh, The Speed of Trust. But, you know, that was enabled us to start what we started. And when we finally met, it only exploded that relationship and trust. Um, because at the end of the day, I don't care who you are, a handshake and an in-person conversation, drink, whatever, is is more than you can ever do over over a video. Oh yeah, a couple um, of drinks will get them real loose, then you get them yeah. who they really are. 
Yeah, give me some stuff to hold them to for years. Yeah. Go from speaking professional to dropping F-bombs left yeah. and right. Yeah, so uh, it was great to finally meet them, see the facilities. I mean, just an incredible operation, huge, way bigger than I thought. Um, you know, you got an idea, but you don't really know. And then it's exciting to know that you make everything in-house. Uh, that's a really cool feeling and a, and a really cool understanding. And um, to see how it's all done and, and bottled and then, you know, put on a container and sent to us. And, uh, you know, we, we've got plans, five-year plan to, to manufacture at least some product here. So um, oh, nice. it's, a, it's a good, you know, strong future and organization. And uh, yeah, I, I hope that in 10 years, we supply everything north and south of us completely in Western Hemisphere. You know, that that's that's a, a dream and a goal of mine, whether it's on paper or not for them. Um, you now, know, there's... Putting them in a category to say, like, you know, some companies are chemical manufacturers that make protectants, and then some are protecting companies that started dipping and protecting could be wax sealant coatings, whatever, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And then there are some protecting companies that are majority protected, but they also make some chemicals. This is more of a chemical company, correct? That the majority of their foundation is producing multiple levels of chemicals for car care, correct? Exactly. Yeah. So I would say, of course, it hasn't it hasn't done that in uh, the U.S. per se, but our global uh, and, and multinational footprint understanding is polished compound. Um, that is what that is our bread and butter. That is what we do. Uh, that is what we're extremely good at. We have, uh, you know, I won't get into the details, but we have a scary, powerful uh, backing between uh, the chemists, the doctors, and and the you know reviewists over there. Um, I mean, full lab, full production, you know, we, we do everything, like I said, testing to manufacturing, to planning, to building, to, uh, reevaluating and changing, uh, you know, the, the names of the, the guys that the, the manufacturers they used to work for are very, are very good. And we have them all under our roof. I'll put it that very way. Nice. Well, um, that H9 is a serious compound, so <laughs> that in itself is a staple. I mean, the, the whole lineup is, you know, stellar, but that H9 is something to, he something is a to speak monster. for and be proud of. He is a monster at creating Bosch compound, the, the guy yeah. over there. So, uh, yeah, it's just an incredible team they've built over there. But, yeah, I would put that as our focus and forefront globally. Of course, here in the U.S., we, we experienced the exact opposite, the furthest thing from Bosch and compound being so um, – being our – incredibly difficult to keep in stock uh, product. Um, now I'll give a little bit of that to the explosion from, from partners of ours and also a little bit to, uh, you know, we brought plenty of polish and compound over first, just expecting us to follow trends of the world. Um, and of course we're, don't get me wrong, we're chiseling through that real quick and we're reordering and ordering and ordering, you know, but the soap is, was just, I mean, the whole first six months of this operation, we were like, we can't get enough here. I was bringing entire containers of, of soap, um, you know, so, uh, which is a hard thing to, hard pill to swallow with water weight and shipping. And <laughs> but, Now, are you experiencing any issues with the pandemic with, I mean, a lot of people are, so, so they're obviously not the only one if you are. Luckily, our issues have been extremely limited. So we have literally only the color of our spouts. So they're silver usually, some of them have had to change to black which I think we're already back to silver. Yeah. Oh no. Oh my gosh. Um, that, and then our a sprayer that we use that goes onto our bottle or goes onto our spray bottle shorted. But no, as far as, of course we've had raw material scares. We've had, you know, potential shortages, but no, I, I to this day have not tried to order anything that we can't get onto a container. The R issue is when the container decides to show up, fill and, and then, when the boat is able to actually get into port here in the U.S., you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go, oh, my gosh, yay, it's right outside of Savannah. And, and then all of a sudden it's anchored for three days. And, you know, so that's our issue, actually, is predicting the boat. So we've gotten really good at giving a flexibility, you know, uh, span. So to understand, hey, OK, we need to ship this here so that we get it. You know, I've got two on the water right now, a third about to leave again um, right behind those two. And then, you know, fourth right by. So we're, we're, I would say in the beginning, we certainly were, you know, oh my gosh, we're out of this, you know, we're out of that. We're getting short on this. Now we're, we're in a very good position. We've done the, the research and put the time in to, to understand how long this stuff is going to take. And then the good news is 
it should uh, continue to get better and better as as crews get back on the ships and yep. and containers get back over there and get more available. So um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, it's been a it's been a beautiful ride so far, and um, the entire line. I mean, just continually, we you know we get phone calls about everything from polish and compound all the way to glass cleaner. Uh, you know, like, it continues to impress. Yeah, yeah. There's a and million it's new. Yeah. I mean, Everybody I mean, loves new regardless, yeah, right? Exactly. And that's certainly a help. And that's kind of what a, a cool thing about, you know, a company like Hashemi and, and what we're able to do in the U S with it, because they've been around for such a long time. Their periodic table uh, that they have all their products on is massive. And that doesn't even include all the products that they make. So what's cool for like the U S market is, and, and don't get me wrong, it's part of the plan is that we get to have something new for probably foreseeable the foreseeable future in terms of two, three years. I mean, we'll be continually saying, Hey, new product. It's not new to Kashemi. It's been working for a really long time, but we can only bring over so much and so many new SKUs and so many new sizes at a time. Yeah. So that's been an exciting thing for me because it's not just like, Hey, we're here, try our stuff. Hope you like it. It's yeah. it this is the line. Yep. A continual, here's our new, this, here's our new, that keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And, um, I'm hundred percent confident. The majority of people that try our stuff will like minimum 75% of it and we'll make it their go-to, um, minimal. But, uh, you know, I think it can be, uh, I think it'd be much more than that. So now yeah. where are you guys at with the whole SEMA situation? Will you guys be attending, walking around? How's that working out for you so far? Yeah, you know, I decided to just scream and, and beat my head into a wall when I saw Buffenshine was out. But other than that, um, you know, uh, we're still on target to, to go. I appreciate that. <laughs> I was upset. There, that was one of the one we're of the, the pure... only pad provider that would have provided a pillow to have you <laughs> on the plane to be asleep. Because you know yeah. the guy with the my perfect pillow that's all over, he's pulling out. So yeah. now we get to make pillows. <laughs> Not a bad idea. <laughs> we just cut some cuts. Honestly, you could probably just pay guys to send you their old pads. You can cut those up, stick them in there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I've seen that actually for uh, shipping. Uh, instead of using yeah, the, yes, the little yes. peanuts, yep, and just I cut up it. the foam, and there you go. I have two. Yeah, there's a chemical company I know out of Texas, uh, Wild. They use uh, biodegradable edible peanuts. So, I mean, you literally can like throw it in your mouth and it dissolves and nothing. Crazy, crazy. But, now, uh, I, I assume that obviously if SEMA went on, you guys probably would have had something cool to reveal. With yeah. that said, is that something that you may move forward into doing now more at uh, like mobile tech or something in the beginning of 22? So, so uh, I think for, so for us, I believe it's the 14th and 16th. Don't quote me on that. It's on our Facebook pages. Um, but I believe we are doing, uh, and again, don't quote me on what it is, but I'm pretty sure it is the, uh, replacement for auto mechanica. I could be wrong. It could be something else. Uh, but I think it's the 14th and 14th through 16th. We do our live, uh, updates and video releases and things like that and replacement of that show. So that is, that's been announced. It's on our pages. Um, so we'll do a little bit there, but that's more of a global focus, um, not necessarily a U.S. specific. So SEMA, like I said, we're still planning on going. I doubt the borders are going to be open. I really wish they were because the Germans still haven't seen the U.S. location or anything in the U.S. Um, still haven't been here. So uh, hope we're hoping that that can happen and they'll be a part of it. But at the very least, we'll be prepared. We're going to go. Um if for nothing else other than strict manufacturer to manufacturer discussions, um, you know, maybe a little bit more of uh, direct users, but we'll see how it goes. And yeah, as of this moment, we are planning on launching our ceramic at SEMA. Um, we'll, we'll see it, you know, if that still pans out and still looks like it's a great idea to do it there. I, I, I'm in the back of the room. I didn't quite hear you. Did you say ceramic? <laughs> I did say ceramic. <laughs> You've had a lot of questions about it. <laughs> we'll leave that for when it's released. All right. All right. So, uh, but yes, that's the plan for there. And maybe a couple other products uh, for the U.S. market that have not been talked about yet that we're excited about. Um, so we'll see how it pans out. But yeah, I'd say mobile tech will probably, the Florida one will do It's one o'clock. Uh, I think there's my computer. Um, we'll probably do the booth, you know, there. And then we are talking about, of course, TRCMO with the RAG company. Um, 
and then we're looking at doing a, uh, it possibly will be next year, but definitely 23. We'll do our, we'll start doing a yearly event again to kind of do a lot of these announcements and launches and partners, Very cool. things like that Very cool. for sure. So, yeah. Now with the time and everything, yeah, try to, you know, we try to keep it within a good time. So we're right about that area. However, what would be some good resources if people wanted to um, get their hands on sure. the products and, and, and know where to buy them? Um, what is some plugs for that? Yeah, so a real quick one is www.kosh-chemi, so K-O-C-H-chemi-C-H-E-M-I-E.com. I will say it is a very confusing website if you do not know how to navigate it yet. So all you need to do is go over to products and hit detail. Uh, forget everything else. Detail <laughs> will show you exactly what you need to see. Um, aside from that, if you want to see a, an easier way to get to it, which is going to be updated in the next few weeks. So it'll be a totally new look, but we have a kcxusa.com, which is a little more product for the USA specific. Um, but that'll be a lot more involved in the coming weeks. We just, we, we've just gone through a bunch of, uh, big, uh, shareholder meetings and stuff that have, uh, greenlit a lot of things that are going to start changing for us. So, yeah. And then of course, Kosh Kemi USA, Facebook and Instagram. And I noticed that obviously like other names out there, you know, there's Kosh Kemi, but there's, is there, there's other ways to say it, correct? Yeah. So technically the proper way is Koch and then Shemi, but they miss the K in the middle. So it's just, I always say Kashemi because that's basically how they say it. Cause they just kind of skip that K sound in the middle. Um, but the good news is we will, and I'd say probably within a year, maybe two, we'll be officially KCX will be gotcha. our, uh, focused name, logo, everything. It's like when Rupes came to the market, it just didn't roll off everybody's tongue the same. Rupees, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those titles that like, for some reason, nobody could, you know, you'd have to yeah. ask somebody directly. <laughs> yeah. But you, you never say it the wrong way in front of the Italians though. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no. no, no. <laughs> Where did he go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, how do, uh, how would people reach out to you if they wanted to kind of pick your brain on anything? Yeah, yeah. So just, uh, of course, I have a very complicated last name, but uh, it's like Budweiser. That's the easiest way to remember how to do the E-I-S-E-R at the end. Uh, but it's, yeah, Andrew Workheiser on, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, of course. And and I'm connected to all of the Kashemi, you know, pages. So I see just about everything. Facebook, we've been having some problems with. We got a lot of catching up to do because some stuff was going the wrong spot. But Instagram, especially, yeah, we can. But uh, and then, of course, we have our we have our phone number on our Facebook page. So you can call as well. Awesome. Awesome. And then um, any last words of advice that you could throw out there to people listening? Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you've given no, a lot. I, You're a man full of knowledge, you know, even at a even at a young blood age. Don't. Hey, this guy's 30 years old. You see what you could do for 30 years? I don't know if all 30 of them are accountable for it, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I appreciate that. But yeah, I, you know, my, my motto is never be too proud to sleep before. Um and I think that's important in a number of ways, but, you know, I, 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 I think you, whether you're a one man band or, or multi, you know, your, your focus should be growing. Um, I, I see too many times the focus is I'm booked for six months. Cool. What do you, what can you do to be booked for only one week? Yeah. I you can know, offset and, that. And uh, I know a lot of guys believe in being booked out, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of other businesses where, you know, if you can't get that dollar in, within a certain amount of time, you lose the dollar. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's, those are my, my, my things, but be dedicated and, and, and ask questions. That's, that's how I've gotten where I've gotten is just asking questions, not being afraid to admit I need a mentor and, and not being afraid to uh, jump in and say, Hey, do you need somebody? Because at the end of the day, I didn't have the job to begin with. So you might as well ask. <laughs> yeah. 100% yeah. agree. And, and to add to that, I feel like there are some parts of that that people get confused where you get to a level of those goals you've reached and you own that area for a little while. It's okay to own that because at that point, all that help that was given got you to that point, right? Yeah. yeah. But when you're ready for that next level, that's when you have to reach out again. 100%. 100%. I will never stop asking questions and, and needing new mentors. Um, there are, again, my, my goal is to have people that are better than me in the room. Always. Well, awesome. Andrew, I appreciate it. And it was Thank a pleasure you. having you on. It's always a pleasure talking with you and chatting. Yeah. And 
um, hopefully when, you know, everything starts to open up with these events again, it'll give us some time to, to get together. Um, and outside of that, I appreciate you taking the time today out of your schedule and, and being able to tell your background. Yeah. Um, very inspiring, very cool to hear a lot of that. I didn't even know a lot of that background, which is, you know, really super creditable, you know, with you, especially coming on the scene with everything you've done in the past few years in the detail industry. Now people understand how much background you have and where you came from, which is awesome. Yeah, thank you. So, cool. so everybody out there, thank you who has taken the time to listen. Again, this is Reflection Artist Podcast. It's number 44, episode 44, however you like to say, uh, with Andrew Workheiser, CEO of Kosh Kemi. And um, thank you, Andrew. And everybody at home, on behalf of Buff and Chime, thank you. And of course, you can find this podcast on all the podcast platforms. Uh, it's Right now, it's live on our Reflection Artist Facebook page. You can always revisit that and or YouTube. So, Andrew, I'll let you go. Finish out the day. Thank you, everybody at home or on the road, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing in the gym. Who knows? <laughs> cool, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Appreciate all you. Right, take care. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out BuffAndShine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.